You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress with our host, Susan Simmons. (laughs) And of course, our co-host, TomTheBomb.com. We, we have a new AKA. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's Tommy Goodboy. <laughs> so so let me explain that. I, oh, I think it's better that you're not. <laughs> when I was a little kid, like real young, my dad would take me on his truck with him. He was a truck driver. And we do. he'd take me when he was doing local stuff. And he'd always go out to breakfast. And... So I was like the perfect little boy. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good I story. I see that. Eat everything and just be real polite and yeah, stuff. So right. everybody uh-huh. used to always say, Tommy, you're such a good boy. You're such a good boy. Uh-huh. But then they started just saying, hey, it's Tommy good boy when I would come in. So when I went to my, you know, started school, uh-huh. first day of school, they asked me, hey, what's your name? You know, and I said, Tommy Goodboy. <laughs> An audience, you have to, you have, this is where we need cameras. Oh, I know. Because you have to picture this. You're how tall? Six, six one. He's six one, wearing his lumberjack plaid shirt, <laughs> talking about being Tommy Goodboy. Yeah, okay. With whatever. a flat top. Yeah, uh, right, whatever. At least you got hair on your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So at least I didn't call you Ponch this morning yeah. with your killer boots. Well, that's because I'm not wearing them. <laughs> yeah, but you'll always have those killer boots. <laughs> We'll have to display those in the office. Uh, I thought put them in a case or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited under the shield. Looks like we're going to be actually getting a real office. That might mean we might have kind of a real studio I instead know. of this bedroom in my home. That's an office and a part-time <sighs> studio. We're moving up. Sounds yeah, great. So it looks like it. Hopefully, yeah. this this lease goes through. And if not, we'll find someplace. Yeah. Uh, I have no doubt. But yeah. Under the Shield is is moving and shaking right now. Yeah, we've got some big plans. Yeah, March 1st is going to kick off a, a whole lot of stuff going on here in Arizona. And hopefully to migrate across this country. There you go. Yeah. And it you're better gonna, do it in well, a hurry. are going to be busy. <laughs> Again, people, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. This thing's going to have to move in a hurry. <laughs> and then you get to do it. Oh, then it's all yours. <laughs> We're in trouble then. <laughs> yeah, so much for retirement. Anyway, we have a, a wonderful guest, someone I'm honored to call a friend, yeah. uh, Mark Hedstrom. He's retired Phoenix, Arizona police detective. And uh, how I many made, years? I made it. Yeah. How many years? 31 years. Good gosh. And he can still walk and chew gum, Ooh. I think. <laughs> now, how long have you been retired? Uh, 16 months. Okay. Yeah. So you know you have to make it to the five-year mark, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's that's the goal. That's what exactly. they say. That's right. what I was told I, in the I, academy. I don't know. You two probably better be lucky to make it to three, given given your backgrounds and what you've done. And you've already pushed some of your nine lives. Well, yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Literally. yeah. Yeah. Well, I retired in September, so I'm oh, yeah. a year behind you. October anyways, tw- 20, I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had. Uh, yeah, and he's had a hard life, bought a boat. 
Yeah. A bass yeah. boat. Yeah. Fully yeah. rigged bass boat and uh, built a, a new brand house. new house. I just moved into it a month ago. Uh, you can tell yesterday. he's not married. Yeah. Not kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, I lost part of the pension, though. It, it kind of hurts, but uh, I'm sure a few of my brothers and sisters can relate to that. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sure they can. Yeah, but apparently you're not doing too bad. Yeah. Well, you know, kids are grown. Hence, I would work 31 years instead of 25. That's right. <laughs> Had to put on a few extra years. Well, I keep but, telling y'all, if you'd stop marrying crazy women, you wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> but who listens to me? What do I know? Seriously, yeah. this is nuts. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. tell, us, tell us your story. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show. I, uh, I'm greatly humbled uh, to be here today, and uh, uh, there's a reason for everything, and, and uh, I hope... Uh, uh, my stare, my story, uh, and or words I say will help any of my brothers and sisters in law enforcement, and and that's why I'm here. Sure, you know I'm not here for myself. I'm here to help others. We're here for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got that too. It's all about right, us. Yeah. It's all yeah, about us. In no, time. but you know, and I this keeps us sane. <laughs> yeah, because we don't get paid for it, so it's got no. to be it's got to be an ego thing here right. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, just thinking about it too. And before I came here, I wrote some notes down and stuff, just thinking of what I want to say. And and honestly, one of the big things in and near and dear and extremely dear to your heart is Chris. Absolutely. And I want to pass on his legacy and, and what he, what his vision was and what his passion was and yes. what, you know, and uh, where he was and where he became. Yep. And, and now where he is now is where we all want to be someday. Right. Yeah. I'm still mad at him that he got to go first because that <laughs> really isn't the way this was supposed to work. But yeah. it's hard to believe we're coming up on a year. I know. In, yeah. In a couple of months. It yeah. seems like some days it seems like forever. And I know. Other times it seems like it was just a few weeks ago. Well, the other day when Tracy and I were at the store oh, and we yeah. saw a guy, we walked in and we saw a guy side profile. I swore it was Chris. Oh, and wow. My wife and I looked at each other like, and then we looked at him and then he turned and faced us and was like, okay, it's definitely yeah. not Chris, but a snapshot. Man, it was. Yeah. Both, That's. Yeah, I've, was... I've seen a bunch of people from the back that walk like <laughs> him and look like him, and I've thought, "Whoa, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's a sobering moment for sure." Yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, um, getting to my story, uh, uh, I uh, grew up in the Midwest and uh, kind of uh, try to put this into a nutshell, but um, I know that you know. People live crazy lives and things like that. And uh, I lived on the other side of the fence, if you will. Uh, you know, growing up and things like that, I uh, um, grew up in a dysfunctional family and uh, had an alcoholic father and uh, any and all the things. And I think, you know, uh, and I'm a man of strong faith. And, uh, you know, like you, Tommy, had said, and I experienced also, I I actually uh, died in a car accident, and I'll uh, expand on that in a little while. But, um, you know, the, the good Lord says in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20, he says, uh, you took what the evil one meant for evil, and you turned it to good. Yep. And with my, you know, alcohol addictions, drugs, everything else I did, because uh, you grew up in the northern part of uh, Chicago. That's right. Okay. Chicago. I don't know if it was Detroit or Chicago. Yeah, no, Chicago. So, and uh, I mean, I started drinking when I was 11. Um, lost my best friend who was killed by a drunk driver when I was that age. Um, and uh, like I've shared before in other uh, venues, you know, I didn't have a snowball's chance in hell 
to become anything or anybody because my self-esteem was below zero and you know anything that can happen to a child i was you know molested by my aunt between the ages of six and seven and uh you know did you tell anybody i actually i had to go to treatment for that i i didn't know about it uh -huh. until i was 30 years old and i was a cop and i was on the force maybe four years and i had an incident where my fiance at the time was coming into bed with no clothes on and I saw my aunt's head on my on my fiance's shoulders. Wow! And started having wow. flashbacks and flipped out. Sure. And uh, I I can't tell you how you know it knocked me for a loop. Oh, I bet. And uh, within a week, I was uh, in a treatment center in uh, Tucson, Sierra Tucson, mm -hmm. dealing with sexual abuse. And uh, so again, like I said, uh, you know the things that happened to me, uh, I've been blessed to make it through, and uh, you know. One of the reasons I wanted to become a cop is because nobody could protect me from being beaten by my father, who was an alcoholic, um, or my aunt who abused me, or um, things like that. And um, I, I think, yeah, when I was uh, the age of 10, I, I, I received a set of weights. I have a twin brother, by the way. Um, and... Uh, we had gotten a weight set for Christmas and I decided that I was going to, you know, I wanted to protect myself because I was living in fear from my dad every day from getting beat. And so I would lift weights every day and I lift as much as I could, as hard as I could, as long as I could. And by the age of 16, I, I had the strength of a grown man. Mm -hmm. Hence, you know, uh, I excelled in sports and football and wrestling and I got scholarship offers to both sports. Um, and I took a wrestling scholarship. Uh, and don't ask me how I made it through high school with grades because, you know, I was drinking, I was drugging, uh, you know, just give you a brief rundown. I, I, I did every drug under the sun. I did acid. I did um, cocaine. I did uh, hash. I did speed. I did all those things. And, and the reason I did it was um, I wanted to numb myself from what I was going through in my teenage and my childhood years. Sure. And um, uh, making it through, and again, this whole thing, God saw the whole picture, you know, through this, and uh, it came to the point where uh, I took a wrestling scholarship and uh, went to uh, Southern Illinois University um, and wrestled down there, uh, continued, and I took my, I, I got a degree uh, in uh, law enforcement and administration and justice and uh again the, the reason i did this is because i wanted to be a cop to help people that couldn't help themselves sure and so in you know, looking back at everything um and i hence i i got arrested for dui before i became a cop and um only once which i'm amazed because i i swear <laughs> i've i've gotten pulled over i'm not i'm not kidding when i say i've gotten pulled over back in the day they didn't want to arrest you i think for some yeah. reason I've probably gotten pulled over by the cops at least 15 times when I was just bombed. Wow. I mean, bombed out of my mind, but, um, and, but when uh, we were growing up, it was different times. Yeah. yeah. And it, no. you know what? Cops had a lot more discretion oh, yeah. and stuff they yeah. don't have today. Oh yeah. And I don't think drunk driving at that time when we were young growing up, yeah. wasn't quite looked at as it is today. 
Correct. There was much more of a chance that the officer would have given you a ride home. Yes. Than take you to jail. Sure. Correct. Yeah, I I agree. So, and I know back looking back when I got uh, through went through the hiring process, uh, the if you will, the cutoff line is you could you were allowed one DUI. You had two, you were done. Really? Yeah. So today you can probably have five, six. <laughs> yeah, seven. yeah, right. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just, as long as they were more than six yeah, months ago. Make sure you make sure you pull the heroin needle out of your arm and, <laughs> before yeah. you interview. Yeah. Yeah. With only five in the, that last academy <laughs> class. I mean. Gosh. Yeah, that's crazy nowadays. It, yeah, that I mean it, just, yeah, that was at Phoenix. It's yeah. sad. Five. They allow five DUIs. No, no, no. 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 Oh. no, oh, oh, no, no. There was only no, five, five in the recruits. In the class? Yes. Oh, my goodness. They had six. One didn't make it to the second week of the academy when we taught. Wow. Yeah, they're hurting for uh oh, I know. That's why I say employees. I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff fall by the wayside. Wow. That you, They're going to have to yeah. start altering the backgrounds. Oh, yeah. yeah they're going to have to do some changes, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, but... um. Yeah, so getting back, um, uh, getting back, I uh, graduated from college. Um, Still drugging and drinking. Drugging and drinking, uh, alcohol poisoning five times. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I didn't want to live. Sure. And uh, I graduated, uh, moved back to Chicago. Uh, I was twenty-one, and this was in nineteen eighty-four, and uh, did some work. I uh, worked for a private investigator company for a few years um and then again all the while still uh, you know going crazy and and these are personal things too which i i may or may not but this just adds to my sure. insanity I, I got five women pregnant and four of them had abortions wow and that took a toll on my soul if you will mm. especially with me being who i am today in christ mm. And to think that he would forgive me was just amazing after I came through the other side. But Did you have any say-so in those abortions? Yes. Or, yeah. So you went, yeah. you supported I couldn't take them. care of myself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I thank God that I have a beautiful daughter today. Sure. She's 36 and uh, I love her to pieces, but you know, um, yeah. So uh, uh, going, going further uh, I wanted to get away from my friends in Chicago thinking that, you know, I'd get away from all my party friends. And I had a friend here that retired, or he, he was a Phoenix cop and I went to school with him. So, uh, came out here in January before, uh, moved out here and it was beautiful. I never seen palm trees or mountains and it was <laughs> 75 degrees when I landed and I left 19 below zero in Chicago. A little different. Yeah, I said, no, I'm done here. I just, no. Wow, this This is the place for me. So I- Places with normal temperature. Yeah. (laughs) Till the summer hits. Right. (laughs) Moved out here in uh, February of 88, but- uh, Yeah, that's the time of year it'll get you. (laughs) Yeah. It's gorgeous out here. The city's a lot smaller back then, too. Even though it was a big city- uh, it wasn't compared to Chicago, so yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, came out here and uh, you know uh, continued. You can find guys drinking and drugging anywhere you go. Yep. And I did the same out here, but uh, I had stopped doing drugs. Uh, I wanted to become a police officer, even though I couldn't stop drinking. I stopped doing drugs, and um, uh, I got to the point in my life where. And, and I think my brothers and sisters need to know this too, because um, 
no matter what, no matter what hurts you, if you're if you're involved with with the stress of your job, with trauma, with whatever, you know, everything that I had dealt with in my life, all my traumas before I became a cop, you know, and I was sick and tired of being tired of drinking and waking up drunk everywhere and every day. And I came to the point where I was going to kill myself, hmm. literally kill myself. And I remember, I don't remember the day. No, I do remember the day. It was February 22nd, actually. And I'm coming up on 34 years of sobriety. And uh, I asked the Lord, I said, God, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And, and if you can't take this from me, I'm going to end my life right now and right here on the spot in this room. Mm-hmm. And uh, here are my prayers, you know, and, I, sure. and I'm here to tell you. And, and like Tom, you said you were involved in an accident where you had died. And, uh, you know, uh, so from that day, uh, I had stopped drinking. And, and I just want people to know, um, you know, I'm here today to share my testimony and to, and to help my brothers and sisters. And that's why my voice is being heard. Um, there is one that can save you. You can try to do it yourself, but it's not going to, it's not going to happen that way. And under the shield and everything that they have available to them Mm -hmm. and all the resources are just amazing, absolutely amazing. And, and, uh, they will lead you in the right direction and, and, and don't think you're weak by reaching out. That's right. You know, I, I, I've been depressed and I'll I'll go on to that. Um, I, I take antidepressants to this day. But um, yeah, it's not a, you know, I think a lot of people are under the misconception that when you accept Christ and become a Christian, suddenly your life is smooth sailing and (laughs) and all that stuff. And the reality is, is it can actually get harder after that because. Oh, yeah. There is. Yeah. (laughs) Satan is alive and well on planet Earth and he will challenge and. Yeah. And all that stuff. And so I think that's kind of a misconception Mm -hmm. that people have. And then when they find Christ and they, and then they realize life can get even harder, they're thinking it's them. Right. And that's yeah. not what that is. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> go fast forward about 15 years from uh, getting on whatever, but uh, being a cop for a while and I got divorced from my first wife and I had uh, uh, lost everything monetarily and I was on antidepressants at the time. And I went to my psychiatrist because I couldn't, I mean, my, I was in a dark, dark place. Sure. And I said, Doc, you either have to tweak my medication or you got to give me something new. And he gave me a new medication that was on the market. Well, from taking that medication, after three weeks of t- taking that medication, I was in the casinos four to six days for seven years. And I lost almost $400,000. Wow. And I so was So you switched your long- addiction. Oh, it was yeah. insane. And it, it was from the medication. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, again, by the grace and mercy of God, one day I was on Facebook and I saw this ad and it had a deck of cards and syringes and it <laughs> said, do you have issues with gambling and, uh, and, um, and, and medications? I'm thinking, what? And I opened it up and it said that this law firm in Minneapolis was having a class action lawsuit and this medication that I was taking at the time wow. said that it causes, <laughs> com- helpful face it can, is. it can cause compulsive gambling. I almost fell off the couch. It's like, what? <laughs> so I called wow. my psychiatrist up. I went in his office the next day and, I, and he didn't Just even know. Him? 
<laughs> no, I honestly, the whole time I was there, every time I went in for my checkups for med checks and stuff, he, I, I was too ashamed to tell him that I was, you know, being choked to death financially. Sure. Every paycheck. I mean, there were days I, I couldn't make it to work because I didn't have enough money to get gas to go to work. I have to call in sick. Yeah. You know, just horrible. And that went on for, I lost seven years of my life. But, wow. So life isn't easy after you become a Christian. Yeah. You know, I turned my back on God when I thought money was the important thing, but it wasn't. It was him. Sure. Yeah. So, but anyway, so getting back to uh, uh, before I became a cop, uh, you know, I, I came to the crossroads where I was going to end my life. And uh, and by the grace and mercy of him, I didn't. And uh, uh, Well, he had bigger plans for you. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I got sober on uh, February 22nd. 1989 and uh was going to uh, aa you know two three times a day uh, i had lost my job obviously because i was drinking and everything but but you weren't a cop no 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 yeah so may 4th of 1989 i was uh coming back from casa ground with a friend and uh, we were in his uh, jeep he had a cj5 jeep the roll bars with the uh, you know open canopy and uh, he had Bought some uh, brand new Desert Dueler mutter tires, and uh, we were coming back, and uh, one of the treads on the tires had peeled off the rear tire, and he was driving, and he lost control, and the Jeep got flipped over on the interstate, and I got thrown out. I didn't have my seatbelt on, and uh, they say, you know, I was flying through the air, and I don't know if you experienced with your <laughs> he flew in the air too. Yeah, yeah, when I was flying through the air. I, the, my life flashed before my eyes and I said, this is how I'm going to die. You know, I saw my mom when I was, I know obviously spinning and whatever before I hit the ground. And, but I hit the ground and I had uh, crushed my chest and collapsed the left side. My crushed my left side, lost my left kidney. My now knowing I didn't know at the time, but my spleen had exploded in three pieces when I hit the ground. Wow. Um, and collapsed that lung, uh, crushed the chest. And um, they shut the interstate down and they air evac me into Good Sam. And when I was um, on the gurney, they had two uh, nurses on the plane and they were just telling me, hang on, hang on. You know, we're almost there. And uh, I remember looking down at my hands and from my knuckles to the tips of my fingers, they were solid purple. And I didn't know I was bleeding internally because my spleen had exploded. It was just pumping blood into my stomach. Sure. And... And all I remember is the female nurse saying, you know, we're almost there. And then I died. And I just, you know, I'll share this with you because if people don't believe in God and I'm. <laughs> he lives. And if there's any doubt, I'm here to witness to him. And uh, when I was dead, he told me, Mark, I love you. I'll never leave you. And you're not going to die. And, um, and there was a warmth that I felt and a joy and peace in my, in that time that I was with him that you'll never understand until you're in his presence and you go home. Yep. And I believe that with everything I am. So I didn't need to die to know who he was. You know, he had gotten me sober three months earlier, but, uh, um, so, uh, you know, got in there and they, they were, I was in the hospital for five weeks and the doctors would tell my parents, you know, like everyone was back in Chicago, you know, I had like three or four surgeries and they call him every time you better come back because we don't think he's going to make it through the surgery. You better, you know, and the doctors told my, my parents, there's, 
they have no idea why he should be alive. <laughs> you know, yeah, we know why I'm alive. <laughs> yep. And God told me when I was dead, he said I wasn't going to die. So I'm here today to share. So, um, did you have any traumatic brain injury? None. And you now people say, you know, well, maybe you knocked yourself silly, but when I landed, <laughs> my my left arm was, well, you can't see me, but my left arm was extended above my head and I landed on the left side and my whole left side took the impact. So my head hit my bicep <laughs> and I crushed this whole side. So uh, there was not a scratch on my head whatsoever or nothing. So if I would have hit mine, I would have been killed instantly. Yeah. So. Well, the reason I asked that is because we have another stress coach also, <clears throat> and along with Tom and with you, have had major accidents where there should have been, if nothing else, traumatic brain injury to the, mm-hmm. to the point of either not surviving or not being able to function. Yeah. And it's not the case with any of you. Yeah. Which, yeah. which I had a traumatic brain injury, but it... I didn't, that wasn't, you know. Oh, that's just what you say to get out of stuff. <laughs> that's, just, that's just your lame excuse. Yeah. I mean, I had enough bleeding that my brain shifted. So, and Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. yeah. But it well, has an impact right, you yeah. the way a TBI <clears throat> right. is portrayed oh, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And my all, goodness. all three have had those yeah. experiences of basically what heaven is about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, nobody so, can put it in words. No, there there are no words on this earth to describe it. <laughs> yeah, Just exactly. Love is the low, you know, he's he's love. But anyways, so yeah, so um, I got out of the hospital. I had to fly back to Chicago. Um, my mom had to take care of me. I had a feeding tube still in me. I had second degree road rash all over my body. She had to change my bandages. And I had gone through starting baby steps, walking down the street, the whole nine yards and, um, you know, September of 89, I uh, had gotten to where, okay, I need to get back. God's got a plan for me. You know, he wants me to be a cop and I wanted to be a cop. And that's another thing too. My friends would come over, you know, that grew up with me and I'd tell them, you know, I said, we sit out my porch and yeah, when I get back, I'm going to be a cop. And they'd laugh at me. <laughs> Dude, you used, used to deal drugs and used to, used to sell drugs and did more drugs and uh, everything else. And there was never a doubt in my mind, though. That's another thing with my faith is like that, you know, the, the evil one wanted to come in here and put doubt in there. And there was right. no vacancy on my forehead. Yeah. He couldn't come in there. So it didn't ruin my parade. But uh, so I came back here and I, I went through the process. And, you know, doctor coming in there, I had a big old two foot scar from where they opened me up in my uh, midsection. And uh, and they he looked at me and he says, why are they even hiring you? And I said, well, there's a higher plan than you might not understand but god's got a plan for me mm-hmm. and uh and i believe that with all my heart so uh now we come to the polygraph test I was gonna ask, <laughs> here here comes this happen here comes the, the good stuff goes haywire. <laughs> yeah here comes the good stuff yeah, yeah. so no but the, the thing was is you know i went in there and and uh you know, and you were honest in the in the interview process and everything about or did uh, they... i was dishonest about you know obviously the drug use okay and I didn't tell him I had uh, alcohol poisoning five times. Okay. But, um, yeah, so they had, obviously, when you go through the polygraph test, they got a myriad of tests, uh, questions you have to ask, and they deal with everything and anything, you know. Sure. And um, so I went through all the things, you know, they said, well, you drink? Well, no, I don't, you know, because I had been sober for, what, nine months then. Sure. 
And, uh, you know, well, yeah, I drank in high, in college and high school and stuff. Da, da, da. And, uh, <clears throat> and I said, well, yeah, I experimented at the time. I think the, uh, the cutoff was experimenting with marijuana three to five times. So yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so yeah, about three to five times. I probably, so I can't really remember it was in college, but it was around that amount, you know? And, uh, we had gone through the whole testing and they said, yeah, you did really well, Mark. There's just a little glitch here on the, on the uh, drug issues. And I said, you know, we're going to take a five minute break and, and come back. And I said, okay, that's fine. And, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, so I sat there and, and, uh, they came back in there, hooked me back up on the machine and they, they went through the process again, asked me these questions about the drugs and, and they said, yeah, okay, you, you did fine. You know, and, and my friends and everything else would ask me, well, how the heck did you get through that polygraph? test and and i told them i said uh you know uh, look at if you know anything about the bible remember who saul was you know where where, where god jesus knocked him off a donkey and said or you know off the uh, horse and said why do you persecute me and he turned him into paul you know well yeah jesus knocked me off of my donkey and <laughs> he said i'm gonna make you a witness for me and you and, just didn't uh, get a new name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, and that's how that worked. But, you know, uh, going through, you know, and I did go through trauma, you know, with, with everybody in the police force, sure. you, yes. you lose friends. I, in my career, I, uh, had to bury seven friends that I worked alongside, Wow. you know, and every time it, it takes a big toll. Yeah. your, your heart and your soul right. and, and everything. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh, just, I mean, it's like, it, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to put into words, you know, the, the depth of, of despair. Yeah. Well, and just a law enforcement funeral, you know, oh. I, I used to, I used to laugh growing up and say, you know, the way Baptist, especially Southern Baptist would do a funeral, you wouldn't even have to know the person and you would just have your heart ripped out right. of your chest listening to the funeral part of it. And I said, same thing with a law enforcement funeral. Yeah. It is you don't even have to know the person and no. just the whole event itself. Yeah. It's traumatic. It is <laughs> extremely. Yeah. yeah. Even to this day, you know, you, you hear a brother or sister get killed in the line. Of duty. I don't care if they're Phoenix or right. they're Georgia or whoever. Exactly. Yeah. I, I cry. Sure. You know, and you those uh, damn bagpipes. Oh, <laughs> every time, I'm every time. You. I got goosebumps just when you said that. Yeah. Oh I Lord. Yeah. That's oh crazy. my. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, you know, a profession that's that's not for everybody. Right. That's for sure. You know, and uh, um, and I don't think family. Again, this is we try to emphasize this so much about the importance of educating families and stuff because I don't. You know, most of them, I don't, I don't feel like I'm afraid they go into it without a real understanding of what the lifestyle is. Right. And then we wonder why the divorces are as yeah. high as they are. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's my, a difficult lifestyle. My first wife, um, and this is how she dealt with it. We were married for 14 and a half years. I dated her for three, but, um, you know, all of those years being a cop and, uh, she dealt with it in a way where she didn't want to know about it because if she didn't know about it, it wouldn't hurt her. Right. Yeah. And there was one time uh, I was working, I was chasing a burglar on third shift and uh, on foot and I tripped and I shattered my elbow and my arm and she was a flight attendant. So she was out of town. So 
I was in the hospital that night and, you know, they couldn't get a hold of her because she was in flight. Sure. And stuff. This was before cell phones, I think, are just about. They had the brick phones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, my, you know, they obviously they drove me home from the hospital and they, you know, got my car home and stuff. And I remember sleeping on the couch and, and, uh, and she came in through the door and it was daylight and stuff. I mean, I had blanket over me and she came over to give me a hug and she pulled the thing off and she saw the cast on me and she just broke down just. Yeah. You know, broke my heart. Yeah. Because she's she saw that, you know, that this bad things can happen. Right. Absolutely. You know, and you're she, not bulletproof. No. Yeah. You know, and uh it, so. and I don't want to give the wrong I mean, it can be for families, it can be one of the most rewarding lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've laughed and said, I don't miss the ex husband, mm-hmm. I miss his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, it's all in how you're brought into it right. and what you know about it and preparation. Just, you know, I, I laugh about cops talking about being uh, paranoid. And I go, yeah, paranoid in this industry means prepared. It's it's exactly. not a negative, it's a positive. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing has to happen with families. Yeah. And so it's it's about educating them and and preparing them just like y'all go through an academy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, we don't do enough of that with families to give them the tools they need to be able to help and be a I was either his biggest stressor or biggest stress reliever and it was just kind of a figure it out and I think we have to do more mm-hmm. to help these families and be supportive. I think that's one place the military has really excelled because they have so many programs right. for families, especially on the bases for active duty and when they're deployed. Yeah, things are really good. Yes. Yeah. And um, we need to do a better job of that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but um, uh, getting back to, you know, with, with the work and stuff and, um, you know, with me being a recovering alcoholic, um, I think I worked third shift the first 10 and a half years, uh, sunny slope in North Phoenix. But, um, I share with people that, and it was, I, I went out and I tried to arrest as many drunk drivers as I could, but it wasn't, it wasn't the reason to, to throw everyone in jail to, you know, get off the streets before you kill anybody. It was, you know, maybe, maybe I might help somebody, Sure, right. you know, um, because I was arrested for DUI. I do had a drinking problem. I did. And, um, you know, I, over my career, there were times, you know, I get a, a message in my box at night. I come into work, you know, more than one occasion and, and, you know, call so-and-so and I call him up and, you know, I'll give it, I don't know her name. Not, I was going to say Sue, but not you, Sue. That's right. Not, <laughs> no, no, just, not this Jane. Time. Let's go Jane, Jane, <laughs> Jane Doe. <laughs> no, Jane would call me up and say, you might not remember me, but a year ago you arrested me for DUI and. I just wanted to thank you because of what you shared with me and, and what you told me. Sure. I've been sober since then. Sure. And I've had that happen to me three or four times. Yep. And, and I can tell amazing. you in my, in my 31 years of, of in my career, of all the money I made, you could take all that money away. If that yep. money saved that person from killing somebody else or themselves, sure. Right. Or it's all worth it. Sure. You know, and, and that's, you know, another reason why they say, you know, we're here to serve and protect. Well, I had a, a, a different way to serve and protect because, you know, I, that was kind of like, a, if you will, a passion for me right. is to, to try to seek out the drunk drivers and, and, uh, and, and pass a message on to them. Sure. So, um, and like I said, uh, 
and bad things that happened to to me, I was able to turn it around to good. Hopefully, you mm -hmm. know, I know that someday he'll show me. <laughs> and I wish more officers had people call and reach out to right. say the difference they've made because I, oh, yeah. I know there's there's tons of people out there that officers oh, yeah. have saved their lives in one way or another. And it sure would and be nice. And you never know about right. it. We never find out. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Ferrara's biggest passion was when he could save someone who was suicidal yeah. because he had been there and done that. Yeah. And those were the those were the things he'd wake me up in the middle of the night to call to tell me about not chasing the guy. And he did his share of that. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, those that, weren't those the, are just fun times. Right. They're that, not right. they're not heartfelt, impactful times. Right. Yes. And so it's uh, you know, so you know, I, I wish people would reach out more and let officers know the impact they've had on their lives, right. not just negatively, but positively. I think you get the negative stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, and like when time you and I were on when we first started, things were a lot different. You know, for yeah. one thing, this is cell phone issues and stuff where people are phoning you whatever right. word you say and stuff. And sure, you know, um, obviously there are bad apples in, in sure. every group and and I believe, you know, I and I I'm sure you do. If there's a bad cop, you're the first one that wants them out. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't condone that whatsoever. Right. Um, but the majority, as we know, are good cops exactly. and they're good hearted and they want to help and, right. and they'll lay their life down for right. whoever. They're, and they're doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. sure. And that's what people miss. And, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's just just like we had the situation here on and I'll call them out. Fox 10 News here in that reporter in the yeah. middle of watching officers being shot at has to point out that they're bad actors in law enforcement. Yeah. Are you and, kidding me? And I'm not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. done yet. <laughs> no, no, no. He may think I am, but uh, I'm not done yet. He owes the law enforcement community across this country and families an apology right. for that comment. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me when, when you talk, when people talk about law enforcement, they got to Yeah. There's, there's some bad apples out there. There are in the ministry field, there exactly. are in the doctor field, the lawyer field, any, every field. Every field. Yeah. yeah. And, but for some reason, people just really want to point hold, it out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Point that out, no matter Absolutely. what's going on. Mental health field, there are a whole lot of bad actors. Yeah. Um, every field. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. just really sad that, that law enforcement gets the crosshairs. Yes. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yep. It's, it is. So, but, um, you know, going through my career and everything else, the last 19 and a half years, I was a detective in Maryvale with property crimes. And, um, as you know, in Maryvale is, is one of a our, hot area. It is. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the busier areas. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Political. Especially yeah. at night and weekends. And yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, if, if you want to really do yeah. cop work. That's the area uh, yeah. you want to be in. Honestly, and, yeah, and, and you know, I, I think I thank experience. God I, I've never had to shoot anybody, but I've came close. And and I can tell you though, you know, I didn't work patrol there. I did for supplemental shifts mm -hmm. um, at the end there for a couple of years, but you know, a couple of days a week. But uh, the thought training was is in Maryvale. It wasn't, you know, if I'm going to get into shooting, it's when sure. I'm going to get into shooting. That's right. how bad it is over right. there. Yep. You know, for sure, just crazy. So, but you know, my heart always is in going back to my story. Um, I was almost homeless out here before I became a cop, too. Mm -hmm. You know, with all the, the the problem with the drugs and the alcohol and everything, that's why I almost want to kill myself. Sure. 
And uh, my heart had reached out, and to this day it still does, to the homeless and the hurting people. And uh, in Maryvale, they have a, a place that's called Church on the Streets, on mm-hmm. uh, Grand Avenue in Osborne. But anyways, they're a, a Christian-based facility, and um, they reach out to the people, the, the victims of sex trafficking, um, and uh, people that have come out of prison that are uh, – the judges have told them that they need to follow through with this program and homeless people. So, you know, there would be many times that I would go out on the streets and, um, you know, with my walk uh, with Christ and, it, you know, just go out and help these people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was kind of, if you will, funny, I don't know, but I would be out there and I'd have an F-150 pickup truck and I'd go over to, you know, the one of the, well, every Street corner Maryvale is bad. Right. Homeless and drugs and <laughs> right. everything. And and Pick I know one. where they were there. I know everywhere. So I'd go and I'd bring sandwiches and I'd have some water and stuff. And I'd have my, you know, my dress, you know, plain clothes and my gun and badge and my radio and, uh, you know, unmarked pickup truck. And I'd park in a dirt lot and there'd be a whole bunch of them over there. And you see some of them start running from me and, uh, you know, thinking that, oh, we got dope or something. And I just, you know, reach out to them and just say, hey, you know, I'm not here to arrest you. I'm just, you know, I just just want to, you know, all these people, there's so many people that need help out yes. there in the world, you know, and I was one of them. Sure. And and for God to turn that around for me to, to help these people is a blessing beyond my, you know, for as long as I live, I'll, I'll do that. But uh, to see these people and, and to see them cry and break down and to hear them say that they've never been told they've been loved in their life just rocks my world. Sure. You know, and, and I understand why they're there. You know, I've been there. Right. And, uh, another blessing, if you will, you know, I can, I, I know because I walked where you walked. Yes. You know, some people can say, well, no, you weren't addicted to drugs and you weren't addicted. Yes, I was. Right. You weren't abused. Yes, I was. And that's one of those areas I think in mental health, that you almost have to be a recovering addict to be able to help someone struggling with the addiction. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't say that about every part of mental health, but I do think that is one area you have to be able to say, yeah, I have fought that demon yeah. and I know what that is when it controls you versus you controlling it. Yeah. Um, or they're just not going to pay any attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, and, uh, yeah, I, and I'm, you know, and I, I hope the listeners today don't turn turn this off or anything else, but uh, I'm just sharing everything about me and, and you know, I, I care and I love my brothers and sisters in blue more than more than words can describe. Sure. And then I will till the day I die. But, um, you know, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for God, I never would have gotten sober, nor would I have been able to overcome the abuses that I had because the mental anguish and the mental damage that I had gone through, you know, if you want to, if you want to tear a child's soul apart yeah, to the worst degree, yep. uh, the worst thing you just do is to kill a child. Sure. Underneath that is sexually abusing them. Sure. And I can testify to that. You don't, you, your, your whole soul and your being is just destroyed. Sure. And, uh, you know, well, it's very conflicting, especially when it's, someone you know right. yeah. that you're supposed you know a stranger someone that you should feel safe with yes yeah. you know children with a stranger they have no expectation yeah of of how that person should treat them but when it's a family member a close friend it it takes a whole different level right. 
of of negative impact on them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Yeah. Hence all the women I had gotten pregnant and all the women I'd slept with. Sure. You know, it, it, it all through treatment and stuff, I understood why I did these things. Right. You know, <clears throat> but um yeah, so uh you know, and with the job, you know, um I can sh- well, I'll share the story about you, Susan. Uh oh. No, no. We didn't talk about and, this beforehand. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I know what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if you don't, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that I, I could share that are, are amazing. Yeah, but this was interesting. Yeah. I, I had gotten, uh, I'd, uh, gotten COVID in 2020 and I almost died from it. And uh, I had pneumonia from it and they did a chest x ray. Well, in that x ray, they said, yeah, you have pneumonia. And oh, by the way, you have an ascending thoracic uh, aortic aneurysm. And it's, what? You know, <laughs> yeah, I had no... Break those, that down for yeah, me. <laughs> that, that, yeah, if that thing ruptures, you're dead before you hit the ground. You know, and right. I, I thought I worked out, you know, I've worked out since I was 10. I thought I was in healthy shape and, you know, everything else. And they tell me that I have this issue in my heart or above my heart. And so, obviously, I was dealing with anguish and, and stuff like that. And then they also told me, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, you have a five centimeter mass on your right kidney. My left one I lost in the car accident. Mm-hmm. You have another one on your liver. And I'm thinking, and then my doctor's telling me that, you know, well, you know, we might need to find you a kidney donor and stuff like that. So usually when you hear somebody say they have kidney, kidney ugh, liver or kidney cancer, yeah. it's not a good uh, diagnosis. Sure. So long story short, I had all this anxiety and my blood pressure was through the roof. And honestly, I thought I had one foot in the grave. Sure. And, uh, again, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not for the first time. No, either. no, I can't and, keep my foot out of this. Yeah, place. yeah. So, I had, uh, you know, all this time in my blood pressure, I was trying to keep it under taps with, you know, blood pressure medicine. But, uh, I'd I gone to church one night and I just, you know, I just, hey, God, I you know, this gay anxiety, I, I don't understand in my carnal mind how I'm going to get rid of this fear because all I know is I have this 4.7 centimeter aneurysm in my heart and i don't know how i can that's all i know how am i going to get this fear and anxiety away that's not going to explode sure and so sue had talked to me earlier that week and uh she said well yeah can you come on down to the police academy we're having a class here with the recruits and i want you to sit in and said yeah sure so next morning uh, after i left church that, that wednesday night i went to the academy thursday morning and sue was susan was uh training the class and one of the parts of the class was the uh heart fit for duty class <laughs> uh, the testing that is available to all the uh, police officers there first responders yep and it's like ding and thinking <laughs> wait a minute i took that test about five years ago and i had a cat scan done on my heart and i didn't know you know so he I completely I, forgot i for completely forgot <laughs> i had it and the doctors the, the thing was is the doctor got the report and so i called him up the the yeah, heart fit for duty and they asked him did you do you have a record of me taking this test about five years ago uh yes mr headstrom uh it was uh in april of 2016 and uh, yeah uh, by the way you had a 4.7 centimeter aortic aneurysm and it's like what and so the the bottom line was is i i work out to the extreme where you know and i'm not I'm 59 years old, but I go in the gym and the 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 young guns, 25 years old, look at this old codger and think like, 
this guy's crazy, you know. <laughs> they're they, they're in there looking at their iPods, looking at or their uh, cell phones to see if somebody texts them in between sets. And <laughs> yeah. I'm yelling at them, "This is a gym. You know, get out of here if you want to play in the gym." But anyway, so you know, I would have thought I would have exploded my aneurysm in that time frame. So, I and I, I called Susan up. I, you know, from that moment on, I, I, I had no fear or no anxiety yeah, because it had not changed. Yeah, at yeah. All, and I was right? thinking, yeah, none. Same size. Yeah, and I was working out so hard. I'm thinking it would have definitely blown up. Yeah, sure. if it was going to. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you know, I didn't understand how that fear and anxiety was going to be gone, and I, I called her up, and so, <laughs> but anyway, fortunately, you know, it, I mean, it sounds kind of bad that they didn't tell you at the time. That you took the test. Yeah. But when you stop and think about what the anxiety level would have been. I would have retired. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. have retired. So it was kind of a blessing there that they didn't tell you. Yeah. And then you had something, though, to go, oh, five years later, I find out. Yeah, yeah I had it. But there's been yeah. no difference. Yeah. So, so yeah. But, I, yeah. So, um, I'm not sure you want to. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So, we're. uh Anyways, um, yeah, but I mean, that that's just one thing, um, you know, that I, I can say, uh, you know, with my walk that he answers prayers and, um, but uh, getting through that, you know, my blood pressure did go up and um, right now I'm, uh, um, I'm dealing with uh, some issues. Uh, I had, oh, I had a one-year checkup on my aneurysm in December. Yeah. And everything's fine. I had an MRI done. Um, they did find that I have some nodules on my lungs, mm -hmm. but I'm in belief that they're going to be benign and everything. I go in for a CAT scan on April 1st sure. uh, at the Mayo Clinic, and, and I believe that they're just going to be nodules. And, you know, he's got me around to, to do his uh, work for, for a long time. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, getting back to my brothers and sisters um, in law enforcement, um, you know, the, the ones that are new and, and things like that, um, you might not understand uh, the trauma or, or everything. You know, after time, you will understand these things and you'll experience them. And um, well, it's good people being put in a position to have to see other humans at their worst. Yeah. Time and time again. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is one of the things we were talking about, the stress coach certification last week was the difference in a military person and a law enforcement officer is military leaves their combat zone and comes home. Yeah. Cops come home for a few hours and go back. And the helplessness, you know, you have managed to find a way um, with your heart really being to help homeless mm -hmm. um, that you can go in there and it not be discouraging to you that you can't help everybody. Yeah. But that it's encouraging to you that you can help the ones you can. Yeah. And it's like, I've had people say, how do you deal with law enforcement officers day in and day out when all they see is the bad? Well, because my goal is to help whoever I can. Yeah. And I don't sit in, and I used to first started this, this job almost ate me alive because I would lie awake at night and worry about everybody. Right. Mm. And then I realized I can only, y'all are grown ass people. Yeah. You either come in and get help or you call and get help or you don't. I, I can't go looking for you. Yeah. And, but when it walks in front of my face, yeah, I'll yeah. certainly point it out. Yeah. But y'all yeah. are put in really difficult situations that you can see where people would get discouraged. 
And you can even see where Christians and non-Christians would doubt there's a God because you see so much pain and suffering. Right. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. a hard thing. Yeah, all that negativity yeah. just keeps building up inside you. Yeah, and... to help people recognize and realize that yes, God is alive and well and he's here and but this is still a fallen world. Oh, yes. And you do what you can do. Yeah. To help the ones you can. Yeah. And if it's one, and that's what we've been trying to get law enforcement to understand their their whole goal in their career should be to help one person. Yeah. Everything else on top of that is gravy. But we set y'all up for failure when we teach you in academies to be problem solvers, but Mm -hmm. we forget to tell you you're not going to solve everybody's problem. No. So you're constantly looking at the ones you can't save. Yeah. When we have to flip that back around to you have to look at the ones you have saved. Yeah. And each of you guys can come up, if you really sat down and thought about it, of course, you got to brain injury over here you may have forgotten half of it. <laughs> yeah. i wish my wife would remember that <laughs> at least he has one <laughs> i don't know if that's good or not in my, in my what, life, have a brain or a wife <laughs> oh he's had a few of those so, yeah, yeah three yeah, he's counting absolutely yeah mark you needed me a long time ago honey yeah you, that's a mistake god made he got you too, too late. i could have saved you a whole lot of money yeah. <laughs> but, but now we're not, oh, and I'm just old, so I forgot half of what I've done too. But, um, but um, you know, it's the it's you tend to focus on that negative, yeah, because you're such caregivers. Yeah, it, it would shock the public to truly know why people go into this job, and it's yeah. about caring about people, just like you said. Yeah, yeah, because if you read the jo- the true job description, oh, uh, good gosh. You got to yeah. be crazy to to say, "Oh yes, yeah, sign me up for that." Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a, we have a slide we use now in our training yeah. that points out uh, everything about this job. You know, yeah. your friends don't like you anymore. You give up holidays and weekends. Uh, yeah. You don't the sleep. Shift work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your family yeah. hates you. Yeah, um, all those. Fun- yeah, baby, that's exactly yeah, what that's I've always what dreamed I of. Do. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember. I remember one thing. The uh, recruiter now to this day, I, I forgot his name. I can see his face. But the one thing that stood out to me uh, when he called me and, and said that I, you know, I came in and I got hired with Phoenix PD, he said, <laughs> you "Start laughing and going, yeah, 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 fool those people." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he said, "Mark, he says, uh, you know, this job is going to be stressful." And he said, "And if ever gets too bad for you, take a day off. Yeah, you know, just yep. take a day off and 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 unwind and do something." Hence, I got a brand new bass boat and I love to fish and I took up fishing ever since I got a job and, and that's was my release from my job. Absolutely. I get up in the morning and go and fish and, you know, I'd be it out there in nature and, yes. you know, all the that death and destruction and... was not in my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's therapy and it's, it's medicine exactly. to your soul. Yeah. Sure. You know, and I believe everyone needs to have something like that. Were you in the academy class the day the commander over the... um academy came in and it was a female and she gave her little spiel for a few minutes were you in that academy class that day she kind of cut me off interrupted me and came in and wanted to have her moment before she retired and and i'll never forget her coming in and standing up there and telling these new recruits it was everything i could do i know james bird was in the back of the room just ready to scream but he because he just knew i was going to say something but 
she stood up there and she'd been in it 20 whatever years. And she started talking about how there's no stress in this job oh. and that, that it was the, it was the, <laughs> where'd great, she come from? That's yeah. a good question. I wanted to ask her. So where'd you hide yourself yeah, for those career? <laughs> yeah. But she was talking about how it's the greatest job in the world that the people she would deal that they would deal with would be the ones who had stress, not them. I, I mean, it was everything wow. I could do to keep my mouth shut. I'm literally wow. biting my tongue thinking, you are setting these people up for failure oh, right yeah. here. So when she did walk out, the door hadn't even closed. And I went, y'all disregard everything you just <laughs> yeah. heard. Yeah. I don't know where she pleased, but yeah. it sure wasn't much. Of, it, she must have been at headquarters the whole time. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe RFD or yeah, something. <laughs> but I couldn't believe she actually did that and thought somehow that was motivating them. Right going to prepare them yeah yeah it, it was it was really sad and you know you got to be open and honest with them from yeah. the beginning because there's really no way to prepare people yeah. for this job no. truthfully we do the best we can but man setting them up like this is going to be all you know roses and unicorns yeah. and life's good and it's yeah. the people you deal with who have the stress and i'm thinking ooh, lady that's that's just not good advice here yeah it's, it's, it's like they say, and they teach, you know, your adrenaline goes up and down in between calls, you know, right. and Absolutely. everything, you get a little downtime and then boom, that alcohol comes out and you know, you know, your, your adrenaline's through the ceiling and you hear shots fired or officer yeah. down. Oh my God. 110 miles an hour down exactly. interstate 10. Sure. And he's just like, and that's know. why we're seeing so much adrenal fatigue and adrenal insufficiency right. in people mm -hmm. that I think we have before learning this, I always referred to it as cops becoming complacent. They'd been mm -hmm. on the job a long time. It's just one more traffic stop. Yeah. And that's when they'd get killed. Yeah. And now looking back, I, I'm, I'm convinced, at least the ones I knew of, that it really was adrenal insufficiency. And uh -huh. these are things that we try to help people with it under the shield. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to emphasize people have to find some kind of outlet. And yeah. yours is fishing, getting yeah. out and, yeah. you know, buying his toys and his bass boat that he yeah. probably paid more for than his house. But anyway, <laughs> no, you know, just yeah. saying. <laughs> Not cheap. Right. Yeah. But you've got to find something that restores you, that, that kind of rejuvenates you. And, you know, I encourage guys that have families, your family's got to be a part of that. Yeah. Get out and play with your kids. Exactly. Depression can make you want to sit on that couch and not do anything. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the world's a bad place. So we lock the family up in the house and we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. But you've got to find something. And it doesn't have to be done every minute of every off day. Right. But, you know, out here, that's one of the blessings out here. What, nine months out of the year, you can get out and hike? Right. So for four months, you don't do anything. You sit in the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. With the air conditioning. That's Absolutely. Right. And pray right? it doesn't go out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Good then Lord. the rest of it, though, is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. people should be out more and doing more outdoor things. And it's the perfect environment out here for it. Yeah. And that's why I kind of laugh at you thinking you want to move to Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was humid when I was down there. Oh, yeah, but then you got to dodge the tornadoes. And they the had some last night, I think, and it's the, what January or February now. And they got one went within yeah. a couple of miles of my son's house. Yeah, and yeah. uh, yeah, and that's normal. Yeah, that's a year round thing, it's not a seasonal. Yeah, it's uh, year round. So, yeah, you know, you might yeah. want to rethink 
that, and, but you know. And I think you said something about big mosquitoes down there. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, and the yeah. palmetto bugs are roaches that yeah. fly and oh. and poison oak and poison ivy, all these wonderful things and yeah. mold and mildew and yeah. All that stuff, humidity brings. Hey, but it makes it look beautiful outside. Oh yeah, nice yeah. and green and luscious and grass and. Well, I'll yeah. I'll drive through there. Yeah, I don't want to live there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. Uh, like I said. There there are pros and cons to everywhere. Yeah. Out here, it's your scorpions that kind of freak me. You know, yeah. things that glow under a black light. That is just. Yeah. There's a problem. That's yes. prehistoric stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they look like it. Yeah. Literally, yeah. people. If you haven't lived in Arizona. <laughs> We have scorpions in Alabama, but they are nothing. Yeah. These are scorpions on steroids. Yes. <laughs> when you walk are. out in your back light, a backyard and you hit it with a flashlight, I mean, I didn't even know they made black light flashlights. Yeah. Yeah. And you they, hit it they with They make that. them just for scorpion yes, hunting. They yes, do. they do. Yeah. And and yeah. you and your backyard looks like Jurassic Park <laughs> shrunk yeah. with yeah. scorpions everywhere. Yeah. 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 That is yeah. not a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, Mark, I love you're talking about you're only here by the grace of God. I'm only in Arizona by the grace of God because he, he told that. me to move here. Yes, he did. And I didn't like this place <laughs> yeah. and I didn't know anybody out here. Yeah. I, I knew one person. Yeah. I didn't like it when I was out here training <laughs> yeah. a few months before. And I'm like, seriously, can we not, can we not negotiate this? There are a few other places I'm willing to go. <laughs> yeah. And then I get here in these scorpions and I'm thinking, what what have I done? Yeah. What did I do to deserve that? Yeah. You're leading me in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm listening to the wrong person yeah. here. So yeah. I must have misread this this yeah. this cue. But you know, the reality is is it's the greatest thing that's happened to me. It's also yeah. been the most difficult You're a thing. blessing for everyone here. That's but you know, for sure. but it's really the most difficult thing I've ever done too. Yeah. But just because things are hard doesn't mean they're bad. No. Right? Yeah. And just because you have to work hard doesn't mean oh you're not going to get a good reward out of it. Uh, yes. Correct. Yes. That's the most and, important. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I I really don't work a day in my life. I don't. I, That's I, awesome how you feel. There's some days. I, uh, there are a few I, moments. I think she works all oh, the my gosh. time. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I, I even think about trying to call you every once in a while. She's busy. She, Text. Yeah. Yeah. Text. Don't That's call. It. Text. That's it. Yeah. But, but, you know, the, the, the tough times are when y'all don't listen and I have to beat yeah. you with the red man stick. Yeah. But that right. also releases my anxiety and stuff, yeah. too. So it, it's... Yeah. Right. That's therapeutic I, for you. <laughs> I wanted to share a, a, a quick, if you will, and, sure. you know... It's a, it's, it's about God. Yeah. And it happened two weeks ago on Thursday and, cool. and you can take for what you think. But, um, so I told you I volunteer with church on the streets and I had set up a, uh, outreach at 67th and McDowell, which was a big dirt lot. And they had 50 tents over there with homeless addicted people and everything. Who sets those up? This- Pastor Walt. Okay. Actually, well, um, I don't, well, Mark Vanswell, he's, well, you know, Mark. Yeah. Mark's one of our um, guests. He he's been worked. On- I've, I've certainly, we worked the streets together out there before, but anyways, another guy that I know with Phoenix works in Maryvale and he works with the, uh, net squad and, and deals with people in the neighborhood of Maryvale mm-hmm. and the, the landowners and such. And, uh, so I call him up and ask him, Hey, can you tell us a hot area where we might be able to set up and serve? And basically the pastor Walt, who runs the, uh, organization, a church on the streets, we, uh, we cook food and, uh, have clothes and chairs and, and uh, you know, just talk to people and um, stuff like that. So uh, it was the first night for this location. I had found it and I got a hold of Pastor Walt. We checked it out. And it was a huge dirt lot. And I pulled up and there's 
150 people there. Wow. And so we have a truck. They have a truck and a trailer full of chairs, tables, food to be cooked, hot dogs, and da 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 da, and clothes, mm-hmm. and um, big dirt lot. And uh, so I'm out there. I'm cooking hot dogs, and the, I'm looking across the dirt field, and I'm looking at the tents with all these people. And we might have maybe 150 hot dogs or something, and, and food and some clothes. And I'm thinking, if these people come on over here. We're not going to have enough people. Here we enough go. Enough food to do the, nothing. The story yeah. of the fish and the bread. There we go. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, coming. the six loaves and five loaves <laughs> of pro. So I'm thinking to myself, but and and we're sitting there at six. We the time to start was six o'clock. We got there at six fifteen at the time where we got tables up, and and this this is God's honest truth. We we were standing there. A lady pulls up in a SUV. And pulls up in the in the uh, bar uh, the uh, bus uh, parking area, and she gets out and she walks out in the dirt field. She sees us, says, "Yeah, I, I've been uh, I've been told by God to give you this food." Wow! And we looked at her. I looked at Pastor Wall. I said, "What are you talking about?" She says, and then she said, uh, "I said, do you know who we are or what we're doing here?" She says, "No." I she said, "Honestly, I've never even been here. I live in Mesa, and I work <laughs> I work I work for a food bank, but." It was Thursday night. She said it was my night to go out, and and uh, my son and I wanted to go out and bless somebody, and we had this food, and uh, so she got out in front of her car and she prayed and she said, "God, wherever you want this food to be, you know, let us drive it to wherever." Never been twenty five miles from our location. Wow. Never been to Sixty Seventh Avenue and McDowell in her life. Wow. And she pulls up at the intersection of Sixty Seventh and McDowell. And she looks at us putting up these tables in the dirt field, and God tells her to pull over that lot and give us her food. Wow. She has 375 packed submarine sandwiches, crates of milk, yogurt, Jeez. of everything. Wow. And I and I looked at the pastor, and I, I tears are coming down my eyes. I got goosebumps the size of tire arms. I just, do you know who this came from? Who do you think it came from? I can't make this up. Wow. And she's, you know, she's. So you have to believe there's, yeah. I believe there's a God in that, you know, question. I share this because too many people don't know about this stuff. Are here. Sure. How does it happen? Yeah. It happens from him. You know, right. Tom, we need you know. to go out one night when they're there. Yeah, I'd be, really like to go out there. Yeah, one night when oh, there. amazing. amazing. Is, it a, is it a set night that y'all are well, using? It depends there? on, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we're, I have to set up another one. Uh, the landowner, I guess, got tired of all the people there. So uh, after that following week, um, they kicked all the homeless people out of there. So I'm in church. There's there's a, a, another spot. So sure. there, there's other locations that I'm working on getting, but I'll let you guys know. But we go out um, usually like at 6 p.m. on whatever night we can get. Okay. They have like seven outreaches that they do per week. Um, yeah, let and, us know. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. It's, it's, it's awesome to see these people and to pray for them. Do y'all and, play music? Yes good yes oh yeah they got they me. got they set up phones and speak or uh microphones and speakers mm-hmm. and christian music and the lady was a christian lady obviously and she was you know giving hope to the homeless people out there with a microphone and it was a wonderful thing music to me can often be the thing that touches someone right. oh more yep. than anything me i'm i'm right there with you and it touches your soul I it think. does yeah oh, and yeah. i think you know sometimes it it's not you so bet. much the words because it's easy for us to say to them how life can be. And then we get in our cars as we drive away and they're there, right? you know, yeah. 
Um, but I think there's another way of touching people through music. Yes. That is yeah. nothing any of us could say or do. Yeah. For I sure. just wanted to share that because I, there, <laughs> there was, amazing. there's no other, spe- there's, you can't explain it any other yeah. way. You really can't. Yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah, that's something we need to do. So yeah, let us know the I next will. time. I, I promise. I and will. you know, Mark, we can't thank you. And if he drove what an hour and a half to come over here to sit no. in here and out of Joe five hours, <laughs> doesn't matter. Remember Again. he said that. <laughs> <laughs> next time I need yeah. yeah. Remember he there's, said that. There's one thing I've learned in life, and I'll share with everybody else and my brothers and blue brothers and sisters. But you know, I've come to the realization, and I know it's true that that I don't live here for myself on this earth. I, and I, and I, my prayers for everyone else is obviously first and foremost is to be safe and to come home at night yes. to your families yep. and, and to, uh, and to know that, you know, you're not there for yourselves. And I believe right. probably most of you do because you're in this profession to help other people. You're and putting then, yourself before your, you know, or before you're putting them before yourself. Yes. So. And then realize that in turn, that means you need help at times yes and that's not yes. weakness yeah correct and just because yes. the macho of the macho no. you don't think are yeah. getting help yeah um doesn't mean they're not we have them in here from yeah. swat team members to narcotics to undercover people to every level of law enforcement has been on this couch every yeah. level including and me yes yeah. yes yeah. and so don't don't hesitate to reach out because it's not a sign of weakness. No. It's a it's a sign you're human. Strength. You've been doing a yeah, lot of yeah. good stuff in a lot of difficult places. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a little direction. Again, it's not about mental illness. We can't say that enough. I think yeah. that's been too much of a push. Yeah. You know, y'all are crazy. There ain't no question about that. <laughs> you heard my story. I was off the rocker before I got hired. Absolutely crazy. But crazy and mentally ill are two different right. animals. Yes. Completely. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of the stuff is just about helping you get in balance physiologically, naturally, not with pharmaceuticals. And yes. But reach out to us. You know, yeah. we've got this toll-free number that we don't even have your number if you hit extension one. So. Yeah. If you get disconnected from us, you got to call us back. Yeah. Um, but that number is 855-889-2348. My cell number, please reach out to me, 334-324-3570. And you can always reach out to me. Um, my phone number is 480-861-6574. And we're going to get Mark trained as a stress coach one day. Yes, ma'am. And yes. Uh, you'll be able to... Yeah. Uh, talk to him and and yeah. even before we get him trained if yeah. if something he has said resonates with you reach out to me or yeah. to tom i don't know if you want to give put you your yeah number. no I'll, I'll yeah um, please feel free if, if if there's any questions or anything you want to know about anything uh my number is 623-694-9545 and and he means that just like the rest of oh, us my heart we will not ask your name you can you can block your number um, you know, the best way to really to reach me during the day is to text me because I'm usually in session or teaching, but at night always call. And like I said, I don't care if I answer, it's really funny. I tend to answer those restricted calls faster Yeah, because I do get a yeah. whole lot of the, well, your car insurance on, or your warranty is about to run out on your brand new car. Sure. Um, but please, please reach out to us and families also. And you know, if there are wives or husbands, somebody out there listening and 
and Mark's story resonates with maybe your spouse, um, reach out to one of us because we can, we, we have tremendous resources Yeah, and we are growing every day in those resources and the things that we can offer. And it's going to take one to talk to one truthfully. More and, than anything, we'd love you. Yes. Absolutely. And no matter what your situation is, we know somebody that's lived. Then they're done it. Yeah. They have, they've lived that same situation. And, yeah. and don't try to compare stories. <clears throat> right. You know, we hear that all the time. Well, I haven't been in a shooting. It isn't yeah. about shootings. Exactly. That, the shooting usually isn't even the issue. Yeah. And it's all the other stuff. So make sure you reach out to us. And we hope you will come back next week. Again, it'll be a mystery. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're so advanced in our in our planning yeah. and how we're going to do things. I know who's coming in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I know who's coming like three weeks yes. after. But yeah, yeah, next, next week, week you know, coin. absolutely. It'll be something. <laughs> or maybe you and I'll just sit in here and gripe about stuff. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> but Mark, thank you again. Well, it's for my doing pleasure. This. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. And God bless each of you out there and your families and this great nation that we live in. Yes. And uh, reach out to us. But we do love you and we appreciate all your sacrifices. Know there's help. And if you want to be a part of Under the Shield, reach out to us also. We'll be doing trainings, looks like probably across this country at some point. Yeah. And we'd love to have you on board. So uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.